Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast. The podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of your favourite podcast with your girl Livs, Leanne and Rashan all together here again. Um, just have a little catch up really, just have a little check in. Um, so I want to start with the obvious. How do you guys feel about lockdown coming to an end, about, you know, what that means for everyone? Do you think it's a good thing for everyone? Wait, are you guys going back into office or are you going to do like blended half week working in office, half week working out of office? What's the plan for re-entry into the normal world on your side? I mean, I haven't been told a plan yet. I don't think most businesses actually have a plan in place. But I think no, I would... girl, some of them do. Oh. My friend said to me, my, my friend literally said to me today, she was like, I now need to start applying for new jobs because I'm going to be expected by whatever date it is to be going back into work full time. Damn. Wow. Honestly, some people some people are itching for the because imagine you're paying for these big buildings, you're paying the, the huge rent, the huge mm. electricity bill with like five people in it. They want to fill it back up. But as for me, I know that if I've been able to function and do my job be above adequately for the for the past um how many months, then I can continue to do it like this. So I would be asking for flexibility allowances and it comes to when I how I'm working because I do not want to be traveling, traveling into work and being in the office. I just don't. True. Well, what's funny about that is that when I moved here, everybody was doing remote working. And now that people are starting to go back into the office, I had a meeting with our exec team earlier this or earlier last week. And so everybody was like, what's the plan for, you know, for coming back into the office? And my boss was like, well, people can just come in whenever they feel like. And I was like, all right, cool. That means I'm never coming in. Honestly. (laughs) Pretty much. Honestly, look, I go in now once a week, yeah? But earlier this week, we put a post on Instagram about what it's like going into work with your Afro, yeah? And there was lots of people commenting and engaging and basically, um, I guess, sympathising and relating with each other about this experience. And it wasn't until I looked in the mirror today and I was like, rah, my hair really isn't an Afro. <laughs> like, just chilling, just... However it decides to fall or not fall or poke this way or stick that way, <laughs> it's just chilling. If I had to go to work this morning, yeah, I could not have gone to work like this. Do you get it? Well, the truth is I could have gone to work like this, but I wouldn't have felt comfortable to have gone to work like this. Do you get it? So it's like, I have a sense of freedom. I'm so more relaxed. Even if I am, do- even if I am doing more work, working from home, my, my mood is, in a, is much better than it normally would, than having to go in. Yeah, and I love being able to work in my pyjamas and just sit how I want to sit because like, I'm not, I'm not going to like, even sit in an office, like there's numerous studies how it's not good for your back, like it's not good for your mm-hmm. posture, like all of that kind of stuff. I suppose the point I was trying to get at is if the majority of people worked from home, what about, you know, like the cleaners and what about like the kitchen staff and like all those jobs that would become... Absolutely, they, yeah. they would just evaporate. But they wouldn't though, because you can now clean someone's house. <laughs> 
you get what I mean? You can now be a personal chef. Like, like, these are not, not... for the cleaner. Shannon's no, like... But, no, but the jobs that you're mentioning, I I, 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 like, I kid you not, there are definitely jobs like that, that if they were to go, it wouldn't work. For example, if it, if you look at the retail industry, yeah, if everything closed down and it became mm. online, when earth do those people go? They absolutely... I don't know where they're going to go. But with a job like a cleaner or a cook, that is so easy. You can go to a nursery, as an example. Do you get what I mean? You can go to the airport. Like, there's so many other places you can apply for for jobs. I suppose. Mm. I mean, I, I do take Liv's point, to be honest, to say that a lot of people in the in the immediate future would lose their job and it would take them a while, potentially, to find somewhere else to go. But if you did blended working where some people are coming in sometimes or people who have to come in because some people do have to go in to do their jobs not everybody but some people do then they should do blended working yeah no i didn't say that and also i don't know if you guys misheard me but i didn't say like i think they should never allow people to go back into the office i said i rochelle roberts would not be be returning full time no no i didn't talk about i didn't talk about anyone else's decision I don't, I don't care if they made everyone in the company decide to go back. Me, I, Rashan Roberts, have no need to go in. in the, based on the current role that I'm in now, I have no need to go in every single day. I currently go in one day a week and I love it. I don't mind even upping it to two days a week. But is it, necess- is it necessary for me to go in five days a week? Absolutely not. It's not. And that's my point. I, ho- I hope that what they do, they look at, the, I hope that businesses and entrepreneurs or whoever is in charge of how people work, actually consider how people work to the best of their ability for some people it's in an office mm. some people don't have the discipline to work at home and not be distracted by their mum cooking macaroni and cheese downstairs they want to go to the pot and try it do you get what i mean no but do you understand what i'm saying obviously that's just a random <laughs> thing but do you get what i mean some people like the door will knock they'll now start talking to their neighbor about the person who's cheating down the road and now it's been two hours and they, they forgot to bloody submit their email on time or whatever it is. And then there's people like me who are just more disciplined to work at home than going into the office. Do you get it? But I, I've always said it though. It's just, for me, it's working in London. Like if I live so, if I live somewhere where I could just, like Birmingham, I used to live in Birmingham. If I could, if I was based in Birmingham now and I could just drive to the town centre and park and go to work freely without it costing 15 pounds for congestion charge, 55 million pounds of parking each day i would absolutely do that do yeah you know what I mean? but i don't have that i don't have that luxury that's fair yeah i will say that people who um have to you know travel on public transport in large cities and i think london is notorious for it it can literally ruin your whole day it your can ruin day. your whole day just sitting on the tube packed up and like people can be so rude and so nasty and like yeah you can go into work and it's like wow I'm already pissed off and it's like it's not even lunchtime yet I can't (laughs) even now eat my lunch to make myself feel better I have to sit here and start work like the amount of times (laughs) I've ran into someone on the tube and they've just been so rude like people bumping into you on purpose or like pushing past you the armpits in your face and you can see your armpit in my face you can feel my head (laughs) my forehead knocking your armpit like what is going on it's just rude like I feel like when you're in your own space, yeah, you have more control over your mood. True. And I am someone, yeah, my mood can be easily swayed very quickly. And what that means is it can go... It can go to like the negative side, then back to the positive side in like two point five seconds. But why should I even have to take that risk of it going to the negative side? And it's like when I started this job, I remember saying to the team, like, I don't like starting at nine a.m. and they were like, Oh, why? Oh, you like to sleep in late? And I just let them run a bit. But because I, I thought no one would understand the reason why, and it wasn't until I started being more open and I said, Look, 
when you come to work late because you've got a doctor's appointment at 11am, do you not feel like a lot more relaxed and happier than when you have to get to work at 8.30am or 9am and you're in the rush hour? I said, think about, I said, I want you to just think about those two experiences and how different you feel in your body and just as a person on those two days. And then there was a day when we had to go in at those, those times and it just happened to be busy. And they were both like, okay, yeah, cool, I actually get what you mean. Like, it's actually, it's actually a fact. Like, who wants to go to work and you're waiting 15 minutes to get on your tube and now you're late and now you're walking into the office late and everyone's thinking you was unprepared this morning when actually the DLR just doesn't run frequently in your area. Do you get what mm. I mean? Like, yeah, or like you're, stand, you're paying for a ticket to stand. Like I don't even have the luxury of sitting down during this journey. Like <laughs> I'm standing. For 20 stops. For 20 stops, you know. No, it's very rude. It's true. It used to take me an hour and a half each way to get to work. So an hour and a half to get there and an hour and a half to get back. No. And if I caught the train just even 10 minutes late, so let's say at 7.20 instead of 7, I literally would not be able to sit down the entire way. Right? And it just used to piss me off to no end. So yeah, Shani's right, because by the time I would get to work, I needed a break. I was like, all right, now it's time (laughs) for me to go. (laughs) Leanne's having fake cigarette breaks. I don't smoke, but Honestly, I'm just going to go out anyway. <laughs> I need a cup of tea. I need to go to the toilet. Exactly. I need to make myself comfortable. No, nah, Liv's. Liv's takes ages to start work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Liv's comes in and she'll be like, um, I need to the post office. One sec. <laughs> then she'll come back and be like, um, I need to get snacks. One sec. Then she'll come back and be like, hmm, now I need a cup of tea. And then she'll start work. Like, Liv's will be doing her errands. Yeah, and by 11 o'clock is when you actually get going. It's true. Um, I don't know how it works if you're in Jamaica because you obviously travel to work by a car now. But when you was in the UK, you obviously traveled by a train. And when you factor in things like a coffee you might get on the way and then you might get a, a, a muffin to go with your coffee and a <laughs> bottle of water you get on the way home because the journey's long. Then you might get a packet of Starbucks. Oh my- Do you get what I mean? The croissant from Starbucks is £4.99 because they're so teeth. Like when you factor in, for me, being in True. London still, when I factor in all of those maybe things I get on the way, I think I save a lot of money, even though I still probably buy at more least, at home. I think at least once a week, I used to stop and have dinner by myself at like a really? fancy restaurant in London. First of all, what's a week? First of all, what's a week? It was just to kill no, the time it. though, that's, that's because I would be waiting on the train to eat the, the, the traffic to ease up. You don't have to kill the time in a fancy restaurant. I was like, it's called self care, okay? Self care, you, you have a self Honestly, that's a self addiction. That's not self care. <laughs> that is self addiction. <laughs> when we're saying fancy restaurant, how fancy are we talking? Um, fancy enough that I would spend, like, for myself, including alcohol, because obviously I would have a glass of wine. How's that obvious? <laughs> or a caipirinha. Um, probably like 30, 40 pounds. Oh, that's not as bad as I thought you were going to say. No, no not like a hundred pounds. Well, yeah, yeah, that's for me. No, but what are you ordering? Sorry, sorry, what are you ordering? So there is this sushi place. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but there is this sushi place right outside Liverpool Street. I can't remember what it's called right now, but it's attached to the hotel that's literally right beside. I think it's a Marriott or a Hilton or something like that. And they have the best cocktails, they serve the best caipirinhas, and they have the best sushi. Oh my gosh. I used to go there all the time. On that note, when you're back, because you're back soon, Leanne's back soon, guys. Hey, 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 hey. Um, 
We need to. We need a cocktail date. We need a cocktail date. Okay, guys. Literally, as we're speaking, someone just sent me an Instagram post. Confirmed all legal restrictions to be removed on July nineteen. No more mandatory masks. No more social distancing. Stadiums and festivals back to full capacity. Clubs and strip clubs set to open <laughs> on July nineteen. Club, <laughs> wow, that's soon. Table service and QR code scanning gone. Yeah, that's literally maybe like a week after I get there. Okay, so basically that day before the rules change back, we need to we need to go on a bar crawl, find ourselves in a strip club, go to a night bar. We need to do everything. All right, all right. <laughs> so, what else have you guys been doing during lockdown? Have you guys been reading more? Have you been exploring your, you know, personal? development have you been finding yourself oh, you oh i mean there's that too lives uh shan thought i was gonna say something sexual but um of course she did <laughs> but no not today not today um yeah i mean like well personally i've been listening to a lot of podcasts a lot of podcasts about grief um and i found that super helpful for regular listeners will know that my dad died in november um and there's actually a theory that i have been reading into a lot lately which i'd love to share with you guys which is the dual process model um and basically the idea is that there are two different ways of behaving like either you kind of enjoy the now and you enjoy the day to day or you kind of like allow your subconscious to take over. And so those are the days where you kind of just will own self-pity and just allow yourself to be sad and just eat snacks and watch Netflix all day. And it's like, this theory is basically the idea that you need both of those things in order to function. And there's no like end date, like it just goes on and on that both like you just seesaw between the two. And I feel like that's something you could apply not just um, to grief, but like just life in general. And I'm sure, mm. you know, as we're entering a quote unquote new normal, whatever that's going to look like and feel like, you know, I think it's important for people to remember that um, it's not just going to be like, okay, now I'm absolutely fine. Lockdown's over. Like we're back to normal. I'm all good. Because like, obviously, and quite rightly so, there's been a lot of talk about mental health throughout the pandemic. And I think, yeah, I guess it's just important that those conversations continue. They don't just like stop because lockdown's stopping. No, that's definitely true. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. I think one of the things, whenever somebody that's close to me loses someone, I always refrain from saying, oh, you know, it will get better with time. Because as you just said, it never really does. You just learn how to cope better and you do different things to distract yourself, but it's not something that ever really goes away. And so it is that kind of constant like peak and trough wave and dip. Um, So that actually makes sense. It's kind of, I don't know if it's encouraging that that's the case or if it's kind of more depressing. Like, I don't know if telling people that makes them feel better or if they want to believe that it will get better with time. Because the idea that it's just a never-ending process is, can be quite daunting sometimes, you know? It's like, gosh, when will it ever end? Mm. Um, I feel like grief is such a, a hard thing to navigate. Like, um, so my stepdad's dad passed away on the weekend, but his, he passed away the day before his mum passed away. Does that make sense? Mm. So in this, this, I know this is going to sound very morbid, yeah? But in my head, I thought it's kind of comforting in a way that they'll that they passed away 
although they were no longer together, I thought it was kind of comforting that they were kind of like, they passed away at the same time of year. So that when it came to like high points of grief or high points of mourning, you had them at the same time, rather than one being in like July and then the other one mm. being like December. Do you get what I mean? Wow. But I was like, I can't tell someone that when they're grieving. But that's just what I just thought in my head. And I was like, but there's, no, there's absolutely nothing I can say to anybody who is grieving. Like, I feel like when it comes to supporting someone, I don't feel like there's any there's, there's anything that ever actually provides any level of comfort. And I mean, so you guys have both lost a parent. And with that said, is there anything that you think actually helped you or anything that someone said that actually stuck out? Because if I lost a parent, I wouldn't want anyone to speak to me about it at all, ever. <laughs> that's I guess that's the thing. It's such an individual thing, right? Mm. <laughs> like you might not want someone to talk to about uh, to talk to you about it at all, but other people that's might, that might be the only thing they want to do is just talk about it all the time, you know. And then I, I it is such an individual thing. So maybe it's just more about asking people what they want or what they need, and then knowing letting people know that if they do any, need anything at any point in time, that they can reach out to you and maybe doing a check in every now and again. I don't know. Um, Because I wanted to be alone at first, and then now it's actually really weird, but I kind of make jokes about it. I don't make jokes, but Mm. I tell funny stories that happened while my parents were sick to not to make light of it, but just as a way of, I always feel like I don't want to burden people with the the nitty gritty stories of the things that happened while I was taking care of them. So I kind of try to find the humor in it. And that's still a way of me being able to share without like burdening or making anybody feel upset or sad about you know my experiences yeah I think that you you definitely have to allow yourself to to laugh through the hard times and to be able to find the funny moments and stuff um and like so one one of my close friends her dad died um maybe seven years ago and we have this joke we're like dead dad's club like (laughs) we're part of the dead parents club now and like you have to yeah you have to my my, my jaw actually dropped and my eyes popped open out of my head i said excuse me but it's funny because it's like grief makes i feel like death makes people so uncomfortable and so when you allow yourself to be able to talk about death it's so freeing like you have this i don't give a fuck attitude because it's like you know, if I can talk about death without being uncomfortable, it just makes you so much more like, I don't know, I feel a bit liberated almost. Like there isn't anything I'm scared to like, I'm not yeah. scared to say my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that notion actually applies to trauma in general. So yeah, it, As definitely. much as I was very shocked when you first said it, when I applied it to like a traumatic experience that I've had, I get it a lot. We and always go, trauma, trauma. <laughs> it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like you're gaining control over that, that experience and that emotion, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's very true, actually. It is a way of gain, gaining control over the situation. Because like your, your, like your, your body or the world or like everything combined wants you to feel sad. And of course, you still feel sad about it. But the, the, the ability to find light in it in whatever capacity that is, is a massive form of control, I feel like, and growth. Yeah, I would say in terms of um, advice or things I've kind of learned, like one of the big ones is definitely like, you know, as you said, a a lot of people are scared kind of what to say or the right thing to say um, or like, how is this going to come out? So I didn't say anything. And what I say to people is like, look, however awkward you feel, 
I feel worse. So don't even worry about it. Like, I'm not going to think you're this terrible thirst and I'm going to just be grateful you said it. Don't overthink it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, don't don't overthink it. Like, whatever you say, I'm going to be like, thank you. Like, I'm not going to turn around and be like, ah, how dare you? Like, because <laughs> you're just trying your best. Like, you're just trying to comfort me. No, I was just going to say, to be honest, there is one thing that you should probably never do when somebody's grieving. So I remember, this has happened to me twice, actually, once when my mom passed and once when my, uh, one of my dearest friends, Abeng, passed away. Someone came and they were like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. And I was like, thank you. You know, I appreciate it. And then they started bawling. And so now I'm consoling the person who has come to give me their condolences. Mm. So if I'm not crying, you need to not cry. Like you need to hold it together mm-hmm. and keep it. Yeah. I think what Liv's has said is actually the approach that I do. Where I always ask them like, how, do you, like, what support can I? Actually, Liv said something and then you said something earlier about Leanne, about like asking them what you can have, like offer to do. So my friend's sister passed away the other day. And I said to her like, when it comes to death, I don't, I don't really know the best way to navigate it, to support someone. But just like in any other capacity of our friendship, I'm here to support you. So let me know whatever you can, do, whatever it is you need from me and I'll do that. And I literally said that to her like all the time and then try to also do other helpful things that I thought would benefit her. But I just think in general, it's just so hard to navigate. Because I remember when I lost a close friend of mine when I was really, really young. And I think this is why I find it hard to support other people. Because when I lost a really close friend of mine, who was literally like my brother. Like I knew him since I was born, like since birth, yeah. And he passed away because of knife crime and it wasn't to do with him or anything like that. And I remember one of my friends said to me, oh, well, you know, at least it wasn't your blood brother. (laughs) And I knew, I knew in my whole heart, my friend did not mean that in a dismissive way. She really was trying to support me and like make me feel better, but he just didn't. Like it was, it's really irrelevant whether he was blood or not. I I don't call anyone. Well, no, I don't, I, I call very few people, my sister or... A, a word like family like best friends and those sort of terms you can use loosely but to associate someone with a, like a family term to me is really really important so for me it was just like my feelings wasn't even taken in consideration from any capacity that's what it felt like although I know that from healing from that situation that wasn't what it was so I always fear that like I'm going to accidentally say something to someone that will make them feel like that how do you mind me asking Rashan how old you were when your friend passed away um I was I was in college, so I think I was 17. Mm. I was 17. Because I was, yeah, I was going to say one of the things I've kind of, I mean, many things I've learned from now becoming Sorry, like... I was 18. Sorry, 18. I was 18. But like one of the things I've learned like from um, taking on board, like listening to so many grief podcasts, I feel like I'm an expert now. It's like, um, you know, obviously when you lose someone young, maybe the reason why you now find it difficult to talk about grief is is like it's so hard to like wrap your mind around all the thoughts of grief when you're that age and as well people are like your peers don't really understand death either so they're more likely to say those things that come across as insensitive even though they don't mean it because like they don't have much experience of death either so it's like trying to be supported by people and trying to understand something that you just like at, at when you're young just feels so foreign like the idea of that someone could just suddenly disappear and, and die just feels so like yeah i think i think that, i think that really that really yeah. is spot on especially when it comes to like knife crime because like the type of friends that i have and like where i grew up that wasn't that wasn't something that i expected to happen because that makes i know it's very naive because anyone can die at the hands of a knife or a gun or anything like that but you know do, do you get what i mean it's like 
I don't know. I feel like, um, I don't know if it's problematic or not. I feel like some people live in certain areas and it will feel very, it will be felt, feel very apparent to them. Like the idea or hearing someone die of knife crime or those sort of things won't be like a shock. Do you get what I mean? Whereas this was like, mm. this was so triggering on so many levels. And I remember at the time I was at um, Brit, I was in college and it, it took over my whole life in the sense that like I wanted to do everything to now combat knife crime. I joined like a knife crime, a knife crime charity. I made all of my products around knife crime to the point where my teachers had to sit with me and be like, we understand like this is important to you. We get that you really want to like, like have memories of your friend and you know, use your creative, your, your creativity to be like an outlet and stuff. But if you keep making everything about them, you're never going to be able to heal. Mm. And I remember at that time thinking like, oh, why don't they want me to tell his What story? do you know? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was so upset. Like, that way, I'm rid of my life. But actually, they did, they actually, what they did, they, they helped me a lot. It helped a lot, and and I was able to find my own way to to process it at the time. I think, but it took a long it took a long time. Cause I feel like I feel like when someone passes, there's so many elements, there's so many like stages to it. And I think even if you you had nothing to do with it, you still well for me anyway. Um, I still felt a level of guilty guilt. Do you get what I mean? So like mm-hmm. the week before he passed away, I had seen him, and um, we was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna see you next week. I'm gonna see you next week, and then we didn't. And then that happened. And I was like, oh, if only I had seen him or if only I messaged on that day or if only that happened. And it was like, I could have still done that. And that unfortunate situation could have still happened. Mm. But I still somehow wanted to take the level of guilt and put it on myself, even though it had nothing to do with me. Mm. Can you guys relate to that? For sure. Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guilt is very much often wrapped up in grief. Like it's so easy to be like, if only this had happened, if only I had said that only had time to do this like it's yeah it's very natural I would say but it's hindsight right and you don't know I guess we always say oh if I had done this but the truth is if you had done that and then he didn't answer the phone just as a random example you probably still would have felt as guilty you know it's like oh why didn't I call back a second time or why didn't I send him a text message there's always going to be something that you felt in hindsight that you could have done but you don't know whether that would have made you could have made that call and then you guys would have had a fight and then that and then he would have that would have happened to him and then you would have felt guilty about the fact that you guys had a fight right before he passed. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hindsight is something that kills the joy of pretty much anything that you can think of. Yeah. So mm. And breathe. And breathe. <laughs> um I wanted to also like mention like since we're talking about um, just like lockdown and about grief and obviously there are like different forms of grief. It doesn't have to be like someone has passed away. Um, But uh, uh, this new normal that we're going to enter into, like a lot of people have like lost their jobs, like a lot of people like broke down relationships and like almost, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like, (laughs) poor child. I definitely feel Why are you trying to drive? I'm just adding you. No, I love you. But I definitely feel like a level of anxiety. And I suppose it comes back to, as we talked about at the beginning, like working from home. So being so used to being in your safe space, in your environment, day in, day out. Mm. And suddenly it's like the world is opening back up again. And I'm a bit like, ooh, am I ready? Like, am I ready? I don't mm. want people to see me just yet. Like, 
I thought I was gonna lose this corona weight. She's still here. Like she's still waiting. (laughs) Oh, she should have gone last lockdown, but she She here. She's chilling. She don't pay rent. (laughs) It's like she she doesn't pay rent, but she has a home here. And it's like yeah, that kind of like the world opening up again. And I don't know. I have some like nervous tendencies about it. About like being in social spaces in general, or like just navigating what what's meant to be normality both both like even today as an example i was um on the bus and like the bus was starting to get crowded it's kind of like oh like can we sit next to each other and the person next to me wasn't wearing a mask and i was and i felt really uncomfortable because it's a bit like <laughs> get away <laughs> and before like I wouldn't even think about that kind of thing. I think for me, I've never liked that stuff anyway, like point blank period. So pre-COVID, I didn't want anyone to sit next to me. I didn't want you to sit next to me on the bus. I didn't want, I didn't want you to touch me. Um, I put your bag down. Put your I didn't want people bag. close to me. So I feel like because that was me normally, going back, like those sort of things, I don't think will, I, I will notice as much because that's how I've always been. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like someone wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, I feel indifferent to but I still don't want him to sit beside me either way. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, even when I go to the bathroom in a public bathroom, I'm always like, why are you coming into the stall right next to me? There's a whole other stall <laughs> like, two doors down. Do you know what I mean? I don't sit on the toilet seat in my own house. It's just me here. Do you get it? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, the toilets are brand new. I don't sit on the seat. So, when it comes to hygiene and things like that, I'm very, like, scornful. So, like, I, I just don't think it's going to change with me, basically. Shad, <laughs> stop it right now. Legs them strong. Of course, yeah. Listen, <laughs> mega with the good knees. Good knees, come forward. I just, yeah, but I do get what you mean, though, on a practical level. Like, I do get what you mean, especially when we look at things like, not things that are extreme, but, like, let's say a festival now where there's going to be loads of people, um, mm. wireless, where everyone's, like, crowding to see their favourite yeah. artists. That's going to feel so different when, for the last year, yeah. you didn't crowd anywhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, what was you crowding around? The pot to get a potato? Like, there was no crowding. So it's like, now I feel like naturally, you, I feel like most people are going to be, even if they're not going to be affected by it, I feel like they're definitely going to have a mm. consciousness or awareness about the change. Yeah, clubbing is going to be a very strange experience. I don't even know if I know how to whine anymore. Like, I haven't danced in such a honestly, long time. Honestly, like... honestly. <laughs> I saw a video of me dancing. This is me. I don't know if the alcohol made it worse. Oh, I just can't dance, but boy, <laughs> I need help. Oh, honestly. And just like, yeah, being, yeah, like being in a crowded space with people and like you're dancing and they're dancing. It's like, they used to be like my thing. And now I'm like, you mm. can't even know no more. <laughs> Wait, can we rewind for a second with Shan with the good knees? So, and this might be a bit of a TMI question. Oh my gosh. When you're in your bathroom, like your personal bathroom, and you're taking a number two, you don't sit on the toilet? Oh, no, I sit then. Yeah, but I just line it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Cool. That's understandable. I was just like, I, I can't talk. The last time I sat on the seat, it must have been when I was on a potty. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so awkward, yeah. I feel so awkward when I go to like, my friend's house. Because you know, like, as girls, yeah, like, you'll go in the bathroom with each other, I blah, don't. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, I might be going to the toilet, and then someone's doing their mascara. I don't know what it is. And I feel really awkward going to my friend's house or being in a situation like that at someone else's home and then seeing me not sit on their seat and probably <laughs> thinking, like, why is she not sitting on my seat? Just think my seat's dirty. And it's like, babes, 
you're not special. My OCD don't get sat on. Okay, honey. Like, it's just awkward to have to explain. Like, I just don't like stuff like that. Um, well, I can't no. go to the bathroom with other people there. Like, I have a very shy vagina. And I, I literally cannot pee if someone else is in the bathroom. I feel like I'm being judged. Like, watching me, like, the way I'm wiping. Back to front, back to back. <laughs> <laughs> Judge you how much toilet paper you use. Like, oh, girl. Oh, I use too much, you know. But that's another story for another day. Yeah, I definitely use too much. I definitely use too much. But I just like to be sure. What did you say? You like to be sure? <laughs> Better safe than sorry. I'm with it, Liz. I'm with it. Honestly. <laughs> no, I could literally be bursting to have a wee. And as soon as somebody comes in, it's like it locks up. And it's like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> it's weird. And it's uncomfortable because sometimes somebody's waiting. If you're going into a public bathroom and somebody's waiting on you outside and like banging on the door and being like, can you hurry up? I just have to not pee and then just look <laughs> some. Exactly. Well, as always, vaginas is a great place to end. Um, so... <laughs> So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Um, we are on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And I always get confused with the handles. So I'm passing over to Leanne to finish that <laughs> sentence. So on Twitter and Facebook, we're Dope Black Woman. And Instagram, we are Dope Black Woman 1. And we will be back with you next week. But until then, stay blessed and unapologetically black. All the way black. Blackity black. Black Black (laughs) Blackity.